Dun, 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 dun. Oh, wait. I, no, I can't do my own theme song? What? Okay. Sorry. Welcome to Food Culture. We'll talk about the what's, the who's, and the why's that surround the food industry. I'm your host, Daniela Cintron, and no, I am not a chef, and I don't cook. So, I'm your regular lady just curious as heck about what goes on in the kitchen and what happens when food brings people together. This is Food Culture. In 2019, the production of meat in the United States was of 103.3 billion pounds. That's a lot of meat. It increased from previous years, which increased from previous years and previous years. And I am not blaming anybody. Honestly, I want a nice, juicy burger on good days, on mm. bad days, when I'm craving something. If my husband ever asked me, what do you want for dinner? 90% of the time, I'm going to answer, I want a juicy burger. And I don't want those that come already like thin and patty. No, no, no. I want the juiciness with the cheese melting from it. Or I want a nice juicy steak that is probably still moving or bleeding. That's what I want. <laughs> I am a meat lover and I am, I have a lot of friends that are vegan, they're, they're vegetarian, vegan, and they're probably sitting across the table from me and judging me and I don't care. I want my burger. Today, I had to talk to somebody who loves meat as much as I do, who loves the beef and likes the juiciness and actually works really hard to achieve it. Today, I'm having an interview with Texca. Carolyn and Kyle, they live in uh, a small town that is between Lake Burton, which is a beautiful place. A lot of people have beautiful houses there, a beautiful lake to have packed during the summer, and Clarksville, which is a historic small town that I absolutely love. So right in the middle, we have Texga. Hi, guys. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. We're super excited. I learned about you. I met you guys at an event that was happening with the local Chamber of Commerce. And when I met you guys, you guys weren't sitting next to each other. I remember that. But somehow, you know, that there are always those couples that you enter a room, enter an environment, and you just know they're a couple. Like you just know the vibe, the connection, something. It just something tells you. And you guys are that kind of couple, which I absolutely love. I'm a fan. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, before we kick off with Texga, how did you guys meet? How long have you guys been married for? That's a great question. So um, we first met in College Station, Texas. Um, I had finished my undergraduate <laughs> education at Texas A&M and had started a barbecue food truck and catering business that I had started while I was still in school and then was continuing with that after I finished um, my formal education. And I had come out to Texas <clears throat> for graduate school um, at, in College Station at A&M, and Kyle and I were actually in the same um, small group um, at our church, and we met um, met in that class and, uh, we got married in, um, that was 2012 and we got married in 2015. So just celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary and have, um, somehow managed in our, um, in our latest adventure with Texca to, uh, combine our interest in barbecue and raising beef cattle. <laughs> That is wild. When you guys met, if somebody had told you, you would have been doing this right now, would you have been like, no, you're crazy? Or would you have said, yeah, that's kind of what we have in mind, like all along. That sounds good. 
I would have said yes, and Kyle would have said absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but now I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, that's normally that's usually how it happens. Yeah, so I'm so happy that happened. So, but when you guys met, Kyle, had you been to this area? Had you been to the mountains of North Georgia? I had not. So I grew up in Austin, Texas, in the suburbs of Austin, Texas, and did not have a strong upbringing in production agriculture, did not have a lot of exposure. And so... But you did know how to cook beef. I did. <laughs> I, had, I had a high appreciation for the finished product, but I... Uh, he always starts to discount his knowledge. And I'm like, you know more about cooking beef than my family ever has. And my family's been in the beef industry for three generations. So um, we can't yeah. discount his knowledge. Give yourself some credit. I'll tell you, I, I, right. I, I can eat meat all day long. You heard my love for meat, yet I cannot cook it. It will turn dry. It would be like chewy won't be like males I just can't I just leave that up to my husband or my mother like that's not my job I'll eat it and I'll wash the dishes so give yourself some credit for that that's got some talent when was the first time you came to the North Georgia mountains like how long did it take since you guys met and started dating until you actually came uh I think Kyle for my I grew up on a farm in Commerce and I think Kyle's first visit to Commerce is sometime early 2013 so and what was um, the first reaction was it like this is awesome or what is this <laughs> i really enjoyed it i did you know i see a lot of similarities between texas and georgia particularly when it comes to the people and how warm everyone is um and the desire of folks to you know see everybody else succeed and be able to do what you can for each other um so actually i saw a lot of similarities and so because of that it it really felt like home after a short period of time. I felt that's the highest compliment I can pay um, to this part of the state is that after being here for a very short period of time, it felt like home already. I love that. And you're absolutely right about North Georgia. I dragged my husband from California, from San Francisco, California, to little Lake Rabin, Georgia, which is like, I think the population is like 500. I mean, I don't know. We live in Tiger, which is like three people probably. But, you know, um, I was scared of how he was going to feel. And he said exactly what you say. It feels like home because of the way the community gets you. Like they just like make you part of them if you're open to that. So I love that about the North Georgia. Now, how did this come about to Texas? Who came up with the idea? How did it even get started? I, um, when I, when I moved back for, to Georgia from, uh, from Texas and, and started my career, I was working for an awesome, um, produce farm in North Georgia, handling their, um, their marketing. And, um, eventually Kaya moved and then we got married and, um, we were living in Lula, Georgia. Sorry if y'all hear our dog. She's <laughs> Around. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, we were living in Lula and just kind of felt, uh, even though it's a small town, felt a little cramped living right downtown and started looking for land and kind of one thing led to the next. We knew that we wanted to have um, some amount of land just to have space and it was kind of like, well, we have land we should try to have a small business on it. What does that look like? And, you know, the, just the more that we talked about it and shopped around for, for uh, land, um, 
our, our vision grew a little bit. <laughs> it would be the <laughs> quickest and easiest way to say it. So um, in 2017, we bought um, our farm in Habersham County, um, like you already described, between Lake Burton and Clarksville. And um, the farm's um, 55 acres. So uh, with that, we decided to combine our interests and um, with loving um, a good barbecue. But really, Kyle has always been a point person in our circles of friends where people would call and say, how do I cook this brisket? Or how do I cook this steak? And um, I did grow up um, in, um, on a beef cattle operation. So we just kind of combined our interests. And then if, if listeners haven't put it together yet, Kyle's from Texas, I'm from Georgia. So we decided instead of calling the farm Lou Allen Farm after our last name that we would call it Texca and just always have that story about our background um, and our lives um, through our farm name. I love it. And it's, uh, it's absolutely, I also read that the X in the middle also means like the crossing of both of you guys, your both interest in Fortes, really. So I really love the whole thing behind Tex Guy. The name is very catchy too, very easy to identify. I mean, I don't know, you tell me Tex Guy and I'm thinking meat or tacos, either one. <laughs> I can make meat tacos. <laughs> So it's both. Yes. So it is perfect. Right on. I absolutely love it. You know, um, I wasn't so big into local eating local and, and all of that until I moved to Kansas City. Uh, there was a big farmer's market that I just love going to on the weekends. And when you are in the middle of the country, there's a lot, a lot of uh, farming. There's a lot of meat, local meat. So that's where I really learned to appreciate it. And I could feel the taste. Even when cooking, I can see how my meat is different from when I'm cooking one with a bunch of hormones that's being transported from store to store to store and whatever, somehow it got to my plate. I can see the difference and taste it. And it was until I saw the show called Portlandia. Have you guys ever watched it? It's really old. I don't even know they're making it anymore. You have to see this one episode. You know, Portland is known for doing a lot of farm-to-table, very organic, you know, kind of like California. And there's this episode where they go to eat, but it's a comedy, so they exaggerate everything. There's an episode when they go to eat, and they're eating a farm-to-table chicken. And the lady eating the chicken goes like, excuse me, waitress, I would like to know, where, what was this chicken's name? And the waitress goes to ask and comes back, it was Lulu. Oh, okay, well, great, Lulu. Uh, where did Lulu live? What kind of lifestyle did she have? And so forth. And the waitress keeps making these trips and the chef has an answer for everything, for every single piece of chicken. Every piece of chicken had a story. And they, that's how they connected with their food. I was like, this is very exaggerated. It is kind of right on. Like, I want to know where my meat came from, where my vegetables came from. So tell me about your animals. How did you get them? And how did you decide what to get? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, for us, it's very important to know where the animals come, came from, where they've spent the entirety of their life before those calves come to our farm. And so we... I'm going to interrupt real quick. We, we had decided that we wanted to work with a few local trusted producers to buy baby animal or weaned animals from versus having mama cows own our operation also just because of the amount of land we had. So we want to be smart with the amount of space we had. Um, so for that reason, at this moment, we're doing what Kyle's 
talking about. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. And so we, we source those calves from, from trusted producers. Um, like my dad a, and yeah. brother. <laughs> and, um, I'll give you credit. <laughs> uh, um, and so all, all of those calves come from within a 60 mile radius of our farm. And so they spend the entirety of their life within that 60 mile radius. They come to us uh, as weaned calves, um, which means they're no longer getting their nutrients from their mama. Uh, I so then, see. Around like 500, 600 pounds. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did you give them names? Maybe to some? No. We jokingly, um, <laughs> while we would never tell a customer this, we jokingly have told Kyle's mom that if she names it, she buys it. But, um, <laughs> but um, I found growing up that when I named them, I got really attached to them. And I didn't really want to know the animal's name if it was on my plate. So. <laughs> oh, you're delicious, little Lily. <laughs> we can tell them all apart because all animals um, do have a, an ear tag marking. So they're um, like, we know that number 44 and we can track number 44 his whole time that he's at our property mm -hmm. in terms of his weight and growth as Kyle is saying they come to us around that 500 600 pounds um our goal and our pastures is to take them another 600 pounds to 1200 pounds which is our ideal market weight for um just the best marbling and yeah. um, ribeye area and things of that nature all the good juicy stuff wow that's that's a big load of meat right there <laughs> so how do you get them to that point and how long does it take it's a good question so um we utilize a free choice feeding program and so what that entails is all of our animals are pasture raised and have approximately a half acre of natural forage and then we also give them access to feed mm -hmm. and so that allows them to have an extremely low stress environment and be able to have lots of room to move around and be able be able to choose their own balanced diet between that natural forage which is grass which forage is, which yeah. is grass. <laughs> for us normal people yeah the grass the green stuff <laughs> and then also uh that feed that they have access to and by doing that we get the best of both worlds we are able to achieve the highest level of animal welfare but also still be able to end up with a steak that has that high intermuscular marbling, those juicy ribeyes and strips that customers are accustomed to. And so that's something that we're really proud of, being able to get the best of both worlds. I was going to say, in North Georgia, that half acre is what's recommended um, per animal that you're, you're feeding out to, for, for consumers to enjoy. In other parts of the country, it could be 10 acres an animal. Um, it just kind it depends on the rainfall and the amount of grass your farm has. Yeah, that has a lot to do. That's what I was going to ask. Uh, does weather have a lot to do? Because you're depending on the grass. So a lot of yeah. rainy days, a lot of cold days. Like, How does that affect you? Yeah, I mean, definitely having to, to keep an eye on the grass. Uh, last summer, um, tw 2019 was our first year to be fully in production in terms of having animals processing and then selling beef locally. You know, I always say the Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh, last summer, our last set, just the way we had planned things for year one, uh, they went to the processor um, at the beginning of August 
And honestly, it was a blessing in disguise because July was so dry. August was so dry and September yeah. was so dry. Um, we, we could have really destroyed, uh, destroyed is a tough word, but we could have damaged our pastures. That's not always something you can fix overnight. Um, yes, you can come back in and plant, replant grass. Um, if you want to use fertilizer, um, you can use fertilizer. What, what, we're, what we put on, on our grass to, again, encourage grass growth is um, just a natural, natural substance yeah. um, and um, or of the earth, um, the things that, I mean, God created for us to, um, to make things grow. Um, mm-hmm. So um, that was a blessing in disguise. Um, this spring, we've had great weather. Yes, it's been a little rainy. Um, That's kind of uh, good for you guys then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anytime they're running low on food, just bring them over to my house. <laughs> but in years, <laughs> they'll have a feed. <laughs> you know, there are people that do that for business, but they do it with goats. They let you yeah. or they rent yeah. goats to come cut your grass. That's awesome. Maybe a little less messy than a thousand pound animal. <laughs> yeah. A little bit easier too to transport. That is true. Even though my daughter will have a blast with, with your animals or the, the sheep. Maybe I should just order both at the same time. <laughs> I'm not going to get a dog. You know, then I think about it. I'm just going to get a sheep. I can eat grass, period. Still two birds with one stone. Oh, correct. Get some milk out of it, anything. So I need to ask you for your advice for everybody out there, everybody like me that is not an expert, like both of you guys for meat. You put out great, great, great beef out there, and it comes with such quality. You put so much love and attention to it. How can I preserve that from the moment you give it to me? I know that you guys uh, give it to me in a way that it's perfect. It has preserved all the, all the quality that it can. How can I preserve that at home? How can I continue that going? How do you deliver it, and how can I continue that at home? That's a great question. So the, the number one thing that I would recommend is, is for a consumer to invest in a digital instant read thermometer. Um, for when you are cooking it to be able to know exactly what the internal temperature is. And if you want to cook your steak to medium rare, you know that when the internal temperature is between 125 and 130 degrees, you're there. Um, and it takes the guesswork out of it. And so when you, when you have a a high quality piece of meat, uh, you don't want to roll the dice. You don't want to guess, Oh, I think it's done. I might be done. Yeah. Five, Five minutes per side. I'm sure it'll be good. Stick your finger in there. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the biggest thing I would recommend is invest in a digital instant read thermometer and know exactly what your finished internal temperature target is. That way you can take the guesswork out of it. Um, That way you can avoid, you know, ending up with a, with a, taking a great piece of meat and ending up with a less than stellar meal um, by, by using a digital instant read thermometer. What's the best best way to thaw out my meat? Do you guys uh, give it to the customers frozen or is it just straight up fresh? Yeah, so it's frozen. Um, and, and, and our, just a little side note, it kind of depends on where you purchase from, but our processors vacuum seal the product. So as soon as it vacuum seals, um, the shelf life is two years. Wow. Um, so we recommend you go home and enjoy it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's a date on the, the, the product, on, on the, the packaging. So two years from that date um, would be the recommended enjoying time. So like for a package of ground beef, um, what we do is we do just, if we know we want to eat it, the short, the longest way is to put it, we just put it in a bowl within its packaging in our refrigerator and let it fall for two days. 
Mm -hmm. um, sometimes to speed up the process, we will add some warm water in that bowl. Um, and then once it starts to, to thaw, um, pour the water out and then cut the package opening and get cut, uh, cooking. Um, that's our recommendation to, to thaw within a day or two and then enjoy. Don't let it sit in your refrigerator for five or six days. I am guilty um, of that. I am so guilty of that. Or I put it in the sink with some water running and then I forget about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to eat it tomorrow. It's already thawed out, yeah. cooked on the boiling water. Like, what did I do? I just ruined the whole work of the farmers. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. So last question, and this is the, I think this is the most important question of all. How do you prefer your meat? <laughs> I absolutely prefer uh, medium rare plus. So right between medium rare and medium uh, warm. For a steak. For a steak. Yes. Warm pink dinner. Um, can't beat it with just some kosher salt, black pepper, and a little bit of granulated garlic. Oh, delicious. How about you? If I could um, have it my way, I would never sell a filet and I would keep them all and enjoy the medium <laughs> when wanting a steak. Um, yeah. But uh, currently my jam is definitely a juicy burger like you were describing at the beginning of the episode. I know. I, uh, Love I'm it. In May, May um, is beef month, so great time to celebrate beef in Georgia. I didn't know that. This is even better. You know, uh -huh. I, I really love my burgers. I like to put cheese inside of it when I'm going to grill it. So that when you bite it, you can feel that cheese yeah. melting. But you have to make sure it's a good cheese or it will just screw up the whole taste of it. It will be yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I also being told that there's a, whenever you put salt and pepper, specifically salt on your meat, it has to be a time period when you put it on the grill, either you have to put it on the grill immediately or you have to let it sit longer than 40 minutes. Is that correct? Yes. You put the salt on it and you immediately cook it. But if it's somewhere between that, in that 40 minute range, less than 40 minutes, the salt slowly begins to draw the moisture out of the meat um, and then it redistributed back in. Once you get to the 40 minute mark, but if you cook it during that time frame, time frame uh, <laughs> then you will end up with a steak that is not as juicy as it could be. I know. Somebody told me that secret and I was blown away. Like there's so much thinking and cooking. That's why I don't cook. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, that's a good secret I've been telling everybody. So I sound like I know what I'm talking about. And I love it. I'm glad it's true. Thank you. Guys, how can people get in touch with you? How can they buy your product? So our, um, we have an online platform on our website for purchasing. So the website is texga, T-E-X-G-A, um, farms.com. So all of the product that we currently have in stock is listed on the website. Unfortunately, we do not ship, but we do offer um, delivery um, here in North Georgia or pick up at our farm. So um, literally after we finish this, this little chat, we have some customers coming to the farm today to pick up their products. So, um, and then of course we always invite folks that if, if you don't see a beef item that you're wanting, um, please reach out to us. We want to hear from you. And if it's something that we can provide, we'll certainly do our best and or can, um, we're, uh, know lots of other uh, beef operations in the state and would love to point you in the right direction if we can't help you. Do I have to buy a lot when I buy from you or can I just really buy for my family of four? 
That's a great question. So we want to make uh, local pasture-raised beef accessible. Um, you can buy in as small as a five-pound increment of ground beef that's vacuum-sealed in one-pound packages, all the way up to being able to buy half of half or a whole of a cow, which would be uh, you know 450 pounds on, of meat on a whole. That's a good Father's Day present. It's coming up in June. You know, just stock up your dad's fridge or a freezer with a bunch of meat he can cook and grill throughout the year. So, or maybe through one month if it's my household. But that would be perfect. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. I cannot wait to try your beef now that we're stuck at home and that I know that I can order smaller portions. I'm definitely going to get some. And I'll take a picture of my juicy burger and tag yeah. you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time and wishing you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.